0: Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. The Acts 2 in verse 41. And we're going to talk this morning about life groups. Talk about life group Sunday. Talk about the importance of community and doing life together. This is something I love to talk about. So important to talk about today. So we're going to start here. Now, before we read this, this is the early church, the first 3,000 some believers. And we're going to learn something today from these early believers, this early church on how they lived their life. So Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, what we just took, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. Come on, that's what we're doing today. And shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So today, if you're taking notes, the Talmud message is created for community created for community. So this morning I just want to share to you, share with you about the importance of doing life with other people in community. Now, all of human history, people lived in community. This is not a new idea, this is a very old idea. And all throughout human history, people lived in communities. They lived in tribes. They had people they did life with they lived in a family system and, and really back then they did it for very practical reasons survival <laughs> they did it for survival so back thousands of years ago or even hundreds of years ago you lived in a community of people and you did life with other people because you needed to to survive if you tried to do it by yourself, you probably would not survive. And they did it a lot of times for protection because there was safety and numbers. You could protect yourself better if you lived in the tribe and the community. Uh, there, there was protection and safety. There was food. How many know if you weren't a good hunter? You better hang out with some people that are good hunters or you ain't eating. So, so a lot of people would live in a community because, hey, maybe I'm a good farmer and you're a good hunter. We could come together and we're going to eat a good meal. And so community was so important. They, they did it for survival. They did it for protection, safety, food. They did it for relationships. Because how many you know this experience we call life is, is pointless and is not of any significance if you do it by yourself? That's no life at all. To experience life's highs and lows and and joys and pains by yourself is not life. That's not a life. And for people that try to do it, understand that, and they feel a deep sense of depression, discouragement, because God never designed us to live that way. We were never called to live isolated, lonely lives. God created us for community. Now, I'm just introing into this today, but you got to understand this idea of being isolated or independent is a new idea. All through human history, Eastern-minded people did not live this way. This is a Western idea that's modern. In the, in the last several hundred years, especially with the, the rise of the United States of America and other Western-thinking countries, this idea of the individual has become popular. But all human history was not this way. And the West formed this new idea, which was all about freedom, which is good, but it was also all about the individual, the self. So it became very self-centered. Now, freedom is good. But the focus on yourself is not. And we see the West has turned this into, it's not about the group or the community anymore. It's about the individual. And that's American thinking, but it's not biblical thinking. Come on, patriots. I love this country too, but call it how it is. Because all human history was, it was all about the tribe. It was all about the community. It was all about the group. People were not self-focused. They were community-focused because there was strength and protection and safety and community because God created us to need each other. He created us to live in community with each other. And when we don't do it God's ways, we don't get the results that God wants for us. But we see this has happened even more in the last hundred years because technology, education, wealth, we no longer need other people like we used to because we can pay for it. We can use our technology and figure it out. We have enough wealth in education that... That has made us more isolated, more individualistic as a society, but it's not helped us. It has hurt us. Now, these are proven stats in in the West, which is not just America, but a lot of countries think more Western than they used to. Like Canada thinks the way we do. A lot of Europe thinks that way nowadays. And a lot of the more wealthy countries on the planet think more Western now, which is very individualistic. It's very isolated. It's about the self. That's why they call it the selfie. It's all about the self. They don't do this in other community-based countries. They don't take selfies. This is a very Western modern thing. It's about the self. But because of that, if you look at the most wealthy, educated countries on the planet, they have the highest rates of anxiety, depression, and suicide in the world. The wealthiest, once again, the wealthiest, most most educated, most uh, prosperous countries have the worst rates of mental health and physical health, but yet they have the most stuff and resources. I mean, no, that, that, that shouldn't make sense. I'll tell you why. Because Western people think individual. Isolation. And this epidemic we've had of loneliness has caused us, especially in the modern Western world, to be more isolated. And the more isolated we have become, the more unhappy we have become, and the more unhealthy we have become as a nation. The rates of loneliness just in this country alone are staggering. Let me read you a few stats. And some of these are from the CDC. Some of these are, are things written by Harvard. On many of the results of loneliness, when they asked people, almost half of Americans that they asked said they were lonely, left out, and they felt isolated. Almost Half. Now when we get into certain groups of people it's even higher they said with with moms with seniors with young people the rates can get up to 60 to 70% of them feel lonely left out and isolated Now I'm not talking this is not like worldwide they felt this way I'm talking about in a country like us people feel this way because we have made ourselves more isolated more individual And we tried to live without community and see what happens when we do. When we don't do it God's way, we don't get God's results. And we were thinking we're getting by with something in this culture, in this world, because we have more money, we have more education, we have more this and that. We have a lot of freedom. And I love this country. There's a reason it's the most prosperous country on the planet. But... Not everything that we've done has been good for us. It hasn't. And this is one of the main areas, loneliness. So we see there's an epidemic of loneliness, especially in Western modern thinking countries like ours. I believe in the UK, they actually made a person in the government a minister of loneliness. Because there's that amount of people that are suffering physically and mentally in that country that they had to get a specific person to head that up to deal with that health crisis. Even our Surgeon General in this country has said that this is one of the greatest things that we need to address as a country is loneliness because it's causing mental and physical health issues. Now, Here's some of the issues that come with loneliness. Mental issues, depression, anxiety, suicide. Even when you're lonely, you have physical issues when you're isolated. If you're not talked to and you're not talking to people and you're, you know, you're not having a relationship, even if you're not being touched, if you're not being hugged, there's things that happen to you physically when you be, are being talked to or even being hugged that if you don't have, your physical health starts declining. They said that's the reason why a lot of senior citizens that live by themselves have such mental health and physical health issues. It's not just because they're getting old. It's because they're lonely and no one's talked to them and no one's even given them them a hug in years and their mental and physical health starts declining the more lonely they are. That's why God said you need each other. You were created for community. Are you getting something so far? You didn't know you are going to a lecture this morning, but you are. Here's some physical issues that people have when they're lonely. They have immune issues, sleep issues, heart issues, brain issues. One study said it's more dangerous than being obese. One, another study said that being lonely to your health, physical health, is as bad as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's crazy to think about that loneliness can do that to your physical and mental health. But God said you were created for community. How many know when you try to do the opposite of what God said, you never end up in a good place. (laughs) Spiritually, you're going to start feeling it. Physically, you're going to deal with those things, mental and emotional issues, because you're doing the opposite of the way that God created you and wired you and designed you to live. Here's another thing. In 2020, as we all know in here, we had COVID-19 and the pandemic accelerated what was already an issue, especially in this country with loneliness to a rate that we have never seen before. So there was already people that weren't talking to anybody, weren't hugging anybody, weren't in contact with anybody Millions and millions of people, and then the pandemic accelerated this, and they literally said, This wasn't even a term till 2020. You need to socially distance yourself. This was a new term. I mean, they were coming out with all sorts of new terms in 2020. Socially distance yourself. So people did that. They physically distanced themselves, but socially, They distance themselves from everyone, friends and family, and all sorts of people. And so that has made this crisis even worse, especially in our country and even amongst people in here. And how many know Zoom calls are not the same thing as being together? How many know church on live stream is not the same as being together? It's not. If you got to do it, you got to do it, but that's not the same thing because God created you to be in community, to be with other real human beings who have flesh and bones, who are talking to you, who you can hug, who you can shake their hand, who you can look at, who you can be in the room with. There's a difference being in person than using technology. And even that has hurt us. But we've been told by the government that, socially distance yourself and we did and now our country's in worse shape than it was two years ago because of that now we had to do it for a season but now people are still living that way people that were already isolated and alone was like this is the excuse i needed I didn't want to come to the party anyways. Now I can't because COVID-19. I didn't want to come back to church anyways. I don't have to now because I'm socially distancing myself. I didn't want to go back to be an in-person job. I'm socially distancing myself. I love you today, but it's not good for you. It's not. Because God created you for community. Let me give you a verse. God had this figured out long before you were here. Long before I was here. Long before America was here. Long before anything was here, God said, it's not good that we are by ourselves. Very beginning of the book. Let's turn there. Genesis 2, 18. No, this is the second chapter in all the Bible. There's only two people on the planet. In the Lord, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Yes, yes. Amen. It's not good. If God says it's not good, it's not good. If God created you to live in community and he says it's not good when you're by yourself, it's not good when you're socially distancing yourself, it's not good when you're lonely, it's not good. It's not good. It's amazing that we have to have people tell us the stats on why it's not good. God said this before anybody from the CDC made a stat about loneliness. God said this before Harvard figured this out. God said this before the minister of loneliness in the UK figured this out. God knew that we needed each other. We needed community. It's not good that you're alone. He created you for community. Once again, when we do it our own way, we get our own results, which is physical issues, mental issues, spiritual issues, because we're living outside of God's design for us. Because God wired us to need each other. He wired us to need not just him, but other people. That's the way God created us, and he created us to live in community. Now, God could have told Adam, it's me and you. We don't need nobody else, Adam. That's the way a lot of Christians talk. Oh, Oh, I just got the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, and you're messed up, and you don't think right because you're isolated, and you're alone. And God said, it's not good that you're alone. It's not good that you're alone. That's why God puts people in our lives. He puts community in our lives. He puts friends and family. He gives us a tribe. He gives us a people to belong to. He gives us a church to be a part of because God created us for community. Are you getting something this morning? God created us this way. And if we live outside of it, we pay the consequences of it. Once again, that's not God's judgment. When we do our own stupid thing, break this down a little bit, and then we pay the consequences of it, don't blame God for the results. That's what 99% of people do. God, why did this happen? You ignored what God said. You did your own thing. Then you got the results of it. And then you try to come back and blame God because he did it. You did it by not listening to him in the first place. And we've served such a great God. I'm preaching better than you're responding today. We serve such a great God, even when we do the wrong thing, he still can redeem it and restore it and put us back on the right path, even if we've ignored him a thousand other times. That's how good God is. We get ourselves in trouble. Then he comes and rescues us and puts us right back on the right path. So this morning, never blame God for the results you're getting in your life, like He did this when we, knowing internally, we made that own decision ourselves. It's not good that man's alone. Here's another verse, Proverbs 18 verse one, Proverbs 18:1 in the Amplified. It says, "He who willfully so that means on purpose, separates himself from God in man, seeks his own desire." And he quarrels against all sound wisdom. Listen to that. It's saying if you on purpose try to isolate yourself from other people, God and people that could help you, you are asking for it. That's what this verse says. You are quarreling with all sound wisdom. Some translations say sound judgment. It's saying you're, you're going the opposite way of wisdom. When you separate yourself from God, but also when you separate yourself from other people. Why? Because it's not good that man is alone. When we isolate ourselves, we are prime targets for the enemy. That's why it's unwise when we isolate ourselves and we're alone. That's when the enemy comes after us the most. He doesn't attack the tribe. He attacks the individual. He doesn't go after the herd. He goes after the single one. Now, on Saturday nights, if you want to know a little bit about my sermon preparation, this is kind of how it goes. I'm always thinking about messages. There's preaching in everything. If you're a preacher, everything preaches. But a lot of times on on Saturday from about noon to noon, starting at noon on Saturday to when I'm done preaching, I'm in preacher's mindset. So so I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm probably no fun to be around from noon on Saturday to noon on Sunday because I'm thinking about tomorrow because this is the most important thing I do every week is right here for two hours on a Sunday morning. So I'm thinking so. On Saturday nights, I'm not trying to watch like the Bourne trilogies or Star Wars. I love them, but I don't need to be like hyped up any more than I am before Sunday. So you know what I watch on Saturday nights? Sometimes when I'm doing sermon prep or even afterwards to relax, I watch documentaries about nature. Like Planet Earth. Anybody ever seen Planet Earth? Anybody seen documentaries like that with uh, David Attenbury, who's from Britain, and his voice is amazing. You could listen to him talk for hours about the, the apes and the ants and the trees, and he just makes it sound so great. So I will watch nature documentaries, sometimes on low volume, while I'm preparing a sermon or after because it's relaxing. Sometimes you just put it on mute so I can see it. So... I'll be watching this on Saturday night and so I'm prepared for this message about created for community and the verse says, those who isolate themselves or separate themselves seeks their own desire which isn't a good one <laughs> It's not like I have holy desires that's why I've isolated myself. no, that's not the reason you isolated yourself. you're fooling yourself. And it says it, it rages against all wise judgment or wisdom. It's not wise to do that. Why? Because the enemy seeks after you. So I'm watching. It's called Frozen Planet. You can check it out. It's, it's like Planet Earth, but Frozen Planet. So I'm watching Frozen Planet last night. And I'm trying to keep it low key. But there happened to be an episode about predators on Frozen Planet. thinking they're preaching my message before I'm preaching my message. Because there's safety in the herd. There's safety in the tribe. There's safety in the community. The enemy looks after the precious life who is isolated. Who is pastoring themselves at Coffee Crossing. Who's tried all the churches in Southern Indiana, but you can't find one because none of them are as per- perfect as you are. Right? Right? Nobody preaches the word the way I want to hear it. You just don't want to hear it. Those who isolate themselves seek their own desires and rage against all wise judgment and wisdom. So I'm watching this. And uh, the first thing I saw was there was wolves. And these wolves in the Arctic are the biggest wolves in the world. And there was 25 of them. And they're walking in order. Think about the the brilliance of God that he put that amount of detail into every ant, (laughs) every insect, every wolf, every whale, every tree. I mean, think of what God did when he made this world. So you got 25 wolves and they're they're walking through the snow and they're in single file. Wolves are really smart. And then they pan over to this part of the woods and there's bison. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of bison. And the bison in the Arctic are the biggest ones in the world. So the biggest wolves and the biggest bison. Yeah. It sounds like a guy's show, doesn't it? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> but they, they, they zoomed in on it and so the 25 wolves start circling the bison in this big open field of snow, but the bison are way bigger, way stronger, and they have horns. So there's, there's a bunch of little wolves that try to come grab bison, but they're all together. They can't get them when they're all together, and so, so the bison are headbutting these wolves. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> headbutting these wolves, but they're, they're still circling, but the wolves don't get up, give up. They're they're looking for a weak link. They're looking for the one who isolates himself and separates himself willfully from community and and life groups and and church people. And I was going to do my own thing, Pastor, and I don't need nobody else. All right, bison. So these bison are headbutting these wolves, but the wolves don't give up they're persistent and they keep circling and they keep trying to to scare them and eventually they freak the bison out and the bison start running but when they start running not all the bison get the memo and they're not paying attention and there's one left behind you guys are so sad (laughs) they didn't show all the gory details it was his own fault he was by himself So the bison run away, but there's one left. And guess what? Ten of them jump on that bison. And it's done just like that. Because a person who isolates himself seeks his own desires and rages against all wise judgment and wisdom. You pray for the enemy when you live outside of church community. When you don't come on Sunday mornings, you're pray for the enemy. When you avoid life groups, you're pray for the community. When you do your own thing all week and you don't talk to any church people, you are pray for the enemy. You think you're being independent, but you're being dumb. You are. The Bible says you're being unwise because the enemy seeks after the one. He's not going to attack the herd. He's not going to attack the group. He goes after the one. So I'm watching a little bit further. And uh, I know it was the Lord that had me watch this. You guys are thinking, Pastor, aren't you reading your Bible on Saturdays preparing for this? A little. <laughs> but anything could preach to you. So I watch it in Frozen Planet because it's still talking about predators. And you guys have all seen the movie Free Willy, right? That's not what they're really like in real life, guys. Savages. Those type of Free Willy whales in real life, murderers. They're not letting children ride their backs. And jump into the ocean. No, they're not. Real life orca whales like that are called killer whales. Right. <laughs> Don't tell your children I said this. <laughs> the reason it's on my mind is Natalie told me this week she watched Free Willy. I happen to not share this information I'm about to share you with you. What happens with Free Willy type whales? A man or woman who isolates himself is not wise. So these orca whales, I think they're called orcas. Anybody know? Orca whales? Killer whales. The free willy whale. You know the ones they look like Dalmatians, they're black and white whales. So they're in the Arctic and there's this big fat nasty seal perched up on a little iceberg. And they even said, the documentary guy was like, they don't want to mess with this seal because he's like a mean old seal. He looked like a biker seal. Like he had, he had like scars over him and he had like a mustache and he had super sharp teeth. And he was like, this is not the seal you want to mess with. But these whales, there was a pack of them. Once again, God puts so much intelligence even in these animals. These orca whales, this is how they start. This ice block that the seal is on, they start hitting it with their head to break up the ice. So the seal will fall in the water. So they do that for a while and it doesn't fully work and the seal's still there. Orca whales are so smart, then they start swimming around it on purpose, creating waves. So the wave will hit the iceberg and it will blow the seal off. So they try that time after time after time. They try it like 25, 30 times. And finally, this wave of momentum that the orca whales, the water washes over that iceberg and the seal falls in the water. And one of them grabs it. Bites it. But then the seal, because he's a biker seal. (laughs) It's like, I've been cut before. I can handle this. (laughs) Climbs back up on the iceberg. And he's still there. And so think about this. He's got this seal sitting right on the iceberg. And they go, as long as these whales can grab its tail, they can pull it down and drown it. Free Willy, y'all. The unedited, unrated version. It's not right. And then I had to turn it on this one. It was like too sad. It saw this little seal and that orca grabbed his tail and went into the water. It was over. But the seal was isolated. He was alone. Just like the bison was alone the seal was alone. It's not safe for you spiritually or any other way to live isolated lives. That's where the enemy takes advantage of you at. Do you know anytime you've ever sinned big, a lot of times you're by yourself. Any really wrong thoughts you're having, usually you're by yourself. Any dumb text you send, you're by yourself. Any calls you shouldn't have made, you're by yourself. A lot of times when you're drinking or smoking something, you shouldn't, you're by yourself. Because the enemy gets advantage of you when you're vulnerable and alone and isolated and he can keep you feeling lonely. Then he's got you. You're prey. But when you're in the tribe, the herd, the community, there's safety in numbers. You guys still follow me today? It's one of my favorite quotes. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. I don't know about you, but even at 34 years old, I want to go far in life. It's not about going fast at this point. At this point, it's going to the end of my life, fulfilling the call on my life, having longevity with my life. And it should be the same for you. But if you do it by yourself, you won't get there. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. I told you everything preaches. Um, I know a few weeks ago you stopped watching TV after I convicted you. But I've still been watching TV since I convicted myself. (laughs) Just the right stuff. So just in my personal devotional life, I feed off of nature documentaries and Star Wars. Because they preach to me. They speak to my heart. But another quote ministered to me this week, and it was from the book of Boba Fett. And this is what he said. Now, don't laugh too hard. This will preach. Yes, sir. If you know anything about, I'm not going to go there fully to you. His backstory, Boba Fett was a independent, lonely bounty hunter in the universe. And he didn't get too far doing it that way. And in the last episode, he said this. You can only get so far without a tribe. I said, Boba Fett knows more than most Christians know. For all of us in here, you can only get so far without a church community. You can only grow so far without people in your life. You can only be so safe living by yourself. You can't do it alone because God didn't create you to be alone. So let's turn back over to Acts 2 in verse 41. You guys get something today. I'm a happy man because I fit a Star Wars and a planet Earth quote all in one message. You <laughs> can only get so far without a tribe. Right. Good Acts 2, and before we read this, I want to give you again the backstory of this. Acts 2 is the beginning of the church. Now, we're going to be talking out of this passage the entire week or the entire month, really, of February because it's, the early church and the early church should be the blueprint for our church on how churches should do life and if you read the book of acts the book of acts is the first 30 years of the church and it it shows you how 120 disciples in an upper room that were scared and alone got filled with the holy ghost i'm still pentecostal by the way he got, they got filled with the Holy Ghost and they got boldness and they went out of the upper room and they started preaching the gospel. They started laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. They started casting out demons. They started doing the same works that Jesus told them they would do. And they came out of that upper room and 120 people turned into 3,120 people on the first day of the church. But if you read the book of Acts and you know church history, the first 30 years, that little church turned into 3,000, to 5,000, to 10,000, to 100,000, to 300,000, that a couple hundred years later, the early church had turned the known world upside down, and you see a couple hundred years later, the Roman Empire falling, but Christianity rising. In all of church history, the past 2,000 years, Christianity has shaped the past 2,000 years of the world history because of the church. That group of 120 people started with them. But when we read in the book of Acts, we see here that there are some things that these early believers did that were essential. They were foundational to a healthy church. And we're going to talk about all of these the next several weeks. And, of course, today we're talking about doing life together. But next week we're going to talk about prayer, which that's in these verses. We're going to talk about giving and generosity, which that's in these verses. We're going to talk about serving and being on a team, which that's in these verses as well. We see that as soon as people were saved, God gave them a community and a family to belong to. Come on, I need an amen in the house of God. As soon as people were saved, because he knew these people will not make it without a tribe, without a community, without a family. They need each other. So let's read here. Acts 2 verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. So once again, there was already 120 disciples. And Peter gave an altar call and 3,000 people got saved. So there's about 3,120 people now, about 3,000 in all. Next verse. Listen what it says. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. But let's read the first word, all. This series is called All In. It's called All In. Because for a church to be the church that God has called it to be, all people have to be involved in it. Everyone in that church has to go all in. That's why the early church was successful. It wasn't that there was 3,120 believers and 100 people signed up for Life Group. No, all of them. It it wasn't that there was 3,120 believers and 500 people tithed. No, no, no. It it wasn't that there was 3,120 believers and 1,000 of them prayed. No, it says all. And that's why the early church changed the world. Come on, I need you to help me today. All the believers... All 3,120 of them in that church, all of them, all of them went all in. And that's what made that church so powerful, so strong, and it became such a growing church. I love it if you read in the original language, it says, the verb tense used here by Luke says that this was not a one-time thing that they're going to do what they did here. This was an ongoing, reoccurring, habitual activity with every member of that church. That means they lived this way. So everything we're going to read in these verses, this wasn't just like they got saved and fired up and they did it for a month. Or they did it for a year. The early church lived this way. It was an ongoing way to live, that they lived in community, that they listened to the apostles teaching, that they prayed together, that they ate together, that they gave together, that they served together, that they met in the church and they met house to house. This was not a one-time thing. There was a reoccurring, ongoing, habitual way of living. This is the way they lived their life. Not for a season, not for 10 years or 30 years. Their whole life they lived this way. That's why the church changed the world. Come on in this house to this morning. All the believers, all of them, all in. Every single one of them. Not everybody making excuses for themselves. Pastor's not talking to me this morning. Yes, I am. He couldn't be talking about me. Yes, I am. Because as a pastor, it's part of my job to tell you what's good for you. And what's going to help your life. And church community will change your life and help it like nothing else will. It's going to help you. It's essential to the Christian faith. But notice what it says, all the believers devoted. This was mean means they were doing it with their heart. They were doing it with their passion. They, they were giving themselves to this. All these 3,120 believers yes, that's right. devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, what's that? That means that they went to hear somebody in spiritual leadership preach to them the word. Like you're doing this morning. And they would do this. Ongoingly. And to fellowship. And to sharing in meals. Including the Lord's Supper. And to prayer. And to fellowship. And to fellowship. It's a very church word. I realize that. But this word fellowship. In the Greek. Is the word konania. Now this word kononia means an intimate, close association. It means to share with, to have in common with, to participate with. This was not just, I go to church with them." I wave at them on Sunday morning, we say, "God bless." <laughs> God bless you. God bless. You. God bless you. You, have no, you don't know those people. You don't know those people. Listen to me this morning. I don't want a church like that. I'm not living that way and you ain't living that way either. That's what most churches are. They live whatever the way they want to live and come in on Sunday morning dressed up and like, God bless. <laughs> it's fake. It's phony. That's not the church. This church is lived in community together they knew each other they knew each other's temptations they knew each other's hurts they knew each other's sins they knew each other's family and their kids and where they went to work they knew their dreams and their hopes they did life together not just this high and by and i go to church with you some nonsense nonsense that's why there's so many dry, dead religious churches because they live that way. I'd rather sit at home and watch more documentaries on nature than to be a part of a church like that. That's not the way the early church was. That's a real church. And I encourage you as a church family, stop being religious with each other. Start being real with one another. Start knowing somebody beyond the Sunday service. You got to. And they fellowship together. That fellowship was an intimate, close relationship, sharing their life with each other, their interest. They had all things in common. They participated together. That's the kind of fellowship they had. That's what we need to have. It knows what it goes on and says. And they shared their meals together. And they shared their life together. They prayed together. They ate the Lord's Supper together. We took that this morning with Brother Les. That's a biblical foundational thing we have to do. It's not insignificant. It's supernatural. If it's done... Through his church. It's spiritual. So pastor you tell me I can go to Porto with church people and to be spiritual? Yes. That's just as much as the church is than me preaching on a Sunday. Because it's the church getting together. There's fellowship. There's spiritual things being imparted back and forth even at Porto. We're just taking our kids to a park together, a bunch of us moms. It's spiritual. No, no, don't downplay that. That is the church just as much as this is the church. It's got to be both. They fellowshiped together, they shared life together. Everything intimately connected, having All things in common. Fellowship. Now, some of you will say this. We've heard this a long time. I just, I don't know if there's anybody in the church that has the same interest that I do. Well, first of all, I think you could find somebody out of all of us. But here's the thing with the early church. There was 3,120 of them. They probably had interest in things they were into in all sorts of directions. But you know what brought them together was Jesus and the church. Do you have that in common? Okay, you got something in common. Well, We don't like the same sports team. That's okay. Do you got Jesus in common? Do you got church in common? Oh, We don't vote the same way. That's okay. Just don't talk about it. (laughs) Do you got Jesus in common? Do you got the church in common? We don't come from the same racial backgrounds. That doesn't matter. Do you got Jesus in common? Do you got the church in common? Well, I came from poverty and they came from money. That doesn't matter. Do you got Jesus in common? Do you got church in common? these 3,120 believers did not try to make excuses why they could get out of community they made excuses to get into community even just a sliver of interest with you oh you like Jesus? here we go oh oh, you're into the church? me too let's fellowship so many of you think you're so above that and you need it the most You're messed up like you are because you got nobody talking in your life. Why just have superior interest than the church people at Church on the Rock? (laughs) No, you don't. You're finding an excuse on why you don't have to have people in your life. That's not the root of it anyways. What is the root of it? i give you some roots of it. You've been hurt church people you're insecure if somebody really knows you they won't like you or they'll reject you don't make excuses on what the root issue really is it's not that we don't have interests together I don't have things in common It's there's somewhere in your past there's been some hurt you don't want to trust people don't want to let people in your life You've tried it before and didn't connect with somebody. A lot of reasons. But what did the early church do? We got Jesus in common. That's enough. We're all in this church together trying to do God's will. That is enough. You get something today. So let's think about this. We're going to read a few more verses Later, let's bring up Acts two forty two. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper and to prayer. Forty three. In a deep sense of all came over all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Verse forty four. And all. We're going all in this month. The believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. But listen to this. Here it goes again. They worshiped together at the temple, which in those days, that would be the church. So they would assemble together in the church and then also They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So we see here, here's the blueprint for the early church. It says that these people would do life together. They would fellowship together outside of the church. But it said they would come together in the temple. That's what we're doing on Sunday mornings. Or when we have a bigger gathering, the church. But they also met from house to house. Or in homes. That's life group. It wasn't either or. It was both and. Because some people are all about, we just need to have the big gatherings and that's what it's all about. And some people are about the home church and the home groups. It's both. The early church did both. And a healthy church does both. And then the next verse says this in 47. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship, Konania, that means doing life together, those who were being saved. So think about what happened here. This early church, the way they were living was so attractive to the unbelievers. When they saw them living life together, not just coming to church, but doing church outside the four walls of the building. When they saw these believers going house to house and meeting in homes and and doing life together and sharing meals together and being the body of Christ on the earth, it was attractive and it says, then the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Isn't that amazing? Daily. Daily. Think about a day can come in our church where people are being added to us daily. It's not happening right now, but it can. When they see a church living this way, the Lord added to the church daily. A life that we live alone is no life at all. A life without others is not really living. God created us. For community. Brother Darrell, could you come play for a second? We're going to close here. I appreciate you coming today. We see that this early church did life together. And because of this life together, it made people not a part of their church, not a part of the community, want what they had. Let me challenge you today, because I know a lot of you will say, well, I've been hurt in church. So have I. I don't get to leave. (laughs) I mean, you know what I'm saying. If something's wrong or inappropriate, yeah, go to another church. If somebody did something. I'm just talking about your feelings. Not like jail time series hurt people are going to hurt other people's feelings because people are people. Whatever church you go to, you're going to have your feelings hurt. But I'm saying don't give up on community because God created that just because someone's hurt your feelings. Guess what? You've hurt other people's feelings. Because we're all people. We're all part of this community not saying we're perfect and we arrived we're saying we serve a creator and a God who is perfect and he saved us and he healed us and delivered us but we're all still works in progress (laughs) and sometimes that work is evident amongst each other but don't pull away from it pull into it because that's where you grow that's where you get help and as a pastor, I'm sorry if people have hurt you. I'd probably hurt your feelings, and I'm sorry for that. But every church is like this because we're people. But here's a quote I had heard and read recently. is from John Mark Comer talking about community. He says, even though that community can bring you your greatest hurts, it also will bring you your greatest healing. Many people isolate themselves because they don't want to be hurt anymore. But actually, they're hurting themselves. It's risky to be vulnerable in community it's risky to be a part of a church it's risky to open yourself up to others when you've been hurt by other people it's risky to go to life group and not just sit over there but actually participate in the conversation it's risky to take somebody out for coffee and really tell, you, tell them how you're doing it's risky to open up your life to other people but it's worth it because it could be your greatest hurt but it also will bring you your greatest healing that's what the local church is all about God puts people in our lives to help us heal, to help us grow, so we're not alone. And we can't go to where we need to get to without each other. And hopefully, the relationships in life groups will spark other relationships. That's the point of it. That it starts in life group, but you meet people in life group and, like, hey, I connect with you. Let's go to coffee, let's go to the gym. Let's go to Core Life because we're not eating donuts anymore after Pastor just talked about it. Maybe. We need a donut life group, right? Mr. Jim will head that up, and then Miss Lois will do the Core Life one, and we'll just go back and forth. So the healthy people and the happy people over here. (laughs) Joking. I love Core Life. I love Core Life. I'm on Team Core Life. But I wouldn't deny a donut if it came in my vicinity. Because <laughs> I want to be healthy and happy. Right? <laughs> yes. So in a moment, hey, we're going to dismiss you guys in a second. I'm going to read one last verse, and we're going to go in the back. We're going to sign up for life groups. And there's, there's men's groups. There's women's groups. There's corey groups for the middle school and high school in this church, and I want you to sign up. We, we made it where there's about 12 for each group, so if the group's full, please find another group to go to so it's not too much on the leader. But at the end of the day, we will make a way, if you want to be involved at Church on the Rock, to be involved in a group. If you're wondering if this is for you, it's for you. If you're wondering if I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you. If you want to know what's best for you, your pastor says, this is what's best for you. It's not a big commitment. Something we didn't add, but we could have is this early church has said, if you're reading it right, it said they met daily in the temple and house to house. You guys think you're being stretched by two hours once a week. Come on now. And life groups is every other week, so it's only two every two weeks for a few hours. Easy. If you don't have that much time for God and each other, I don't know what to tell you. You need this. It will help you. Like I said, life groups is a starting place. Start there, and then meet other people in the group, and then build relationships off of that. But we all need each other. We all need community. Last verse, in the message translation. That day about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized and were signed up. Like what you're about to do, right? I only got three amens on that. They were all signed up. They committed themselves to the teachings of the apostles. The life together. Notice the message translates it, the life together for fellowship. The common meal and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe at all these wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources to each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. Isn't that good today? You were created for community, and I love you this morning. So let's pray. We'll go in the back. Father, we love you today. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your presence in this place. I pray over every person in here that we would not be isolated anymore. We would open ourselves up to healthy community and healthy relationships. Father, I pray that any spirit of loneliness would be broken over people's life. That they would be renewed today. That they would be changed today. That, Father, they would realize today they don't have to keep doing life alone, but they can be a part of a community that loves you and can be a new family to them. Father, we thank you for today. Bless this Life Group Sunday. I pray that our groups would overflow that we would have to make more groups because of the amount of people that want to be involved in doing life together. We thank you for the best season of Life Crew that we've had so far for spring of 2022. And we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit org.